When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joel, thanks so much for being on the show. Of course. Always. Whenever so you I, need I me to be... come on, I'm there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, virtually is a lot easier for sure. Yes. So I got to be honest, when I first, before I like really dug into you, I, I think I heard about you maybe three or four years ago and obviously like particularly resonated with me because of your, you know, Philippine background and I actually thought Joe Coy was your real name. Yeah. But it's not. It's, it's Joseph Herbert, right? Glenn. Don't forget my middle name. Joseph, Joseph Glenn Herbert. Yeah. Very um, this is the funny thing. It's like the Philippines have the, the, the craziest and the funniest names that I've ever heard in my entire life. No kidding. I actually have a friend of mine, not really a friend, more like an elementary person, that I knew and her name was God is with us. <laughs> I don't even know if that's her. I don't even know which one is the last name or not, I think, but it, it's legit God is with us. Oh yeah. That's real. I've seen names like that. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta love it. Uh, you know how creative uh, these moms are. I don't really think the dads have anything to do with these names. Honestly, is I it always more of a mom role there? The, I always think it's from the mom. They always come up with the funny names and, Mahati Evelyn always had really cool nicknames for everybody in the family. I yeah. I went up as Joseph Glenn Herbert. You know what I mean? First year and a half, I was going up as Joseph Glenn mm-hmm. Herbert. But every time I said, you know, the MC would say my name, there was always this laughter that would ensue because Herbert is just so fucking funny, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I always had to like... I had to like spend the first two minutes on stage, you know, cracking jokes with the crowd or, you know, talking about my name. And I never got to get, get to any jokes. It was always just this thing. Or the MC would always say it wrong. A bear. They would always go a bear or Hebert or Mm. it was just like, it was just a constant, like, how do I get out of this? I just want to get up and do my jokes. And I swear I wasn't even going to go up as Joe Coy. I was literally trying to figure out another way to say my name or use my middle name as my last name. And then, and then my aunt was just there when we were thinking of this. And she was like, Joe Koi, eat. And literally, it was like this gift from God. Me and my cousin look at each other like, Joe Koi, just go up as Joe Koi. So, I mean, that's how it happened, honestly. Because when my aunt says it, it doesn't sound like a name you would say to your friends. You know, yeah. it's like a, a very family name. It's like something that you would say within the family. You know what I mean? It's like Joe Koi. She says it like that, Joe Koi. You know what I mean? What, she, what does the Koi mean, though? Okay, so now I just found this out and I talked about it in my last special because, uh, you know, people started asking me what Koi meant because things started, I started blowing up, right? And then they were like, hey, so what does Koi mean? And I didn't really have a definition. All I had was my aunt, you know, oh, my aunt calls me Joe Koi. I don't know why. She calls everyone a different name. My Ati, my Ati Lin was Lengoy. My Ati, Ati Bell was Tita Bang. Like she just has all these funny names for everybody in the, in the family. And, um, and, uh, and then I asked my aunt, I go, What's, what does koi mean? I don't even know what Joe koi means. Where'd you get it? And she goes, it's not koi. It's ko. 
I call you Joko, not Jokoi. And I'm like, what? I always thought it was Koi. And she goes, no, it's Joko. So in Tagalog, Ko means my, right? Mm, so my, my nickname is my Joe. So she calls me Joko. I had no idea. And when she says it fast, it sounds like Jokoi. You know what I mean? She always says so your entire stage, the, 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 the name that you built your entire career on was, yeah. was off of an accident. All, all <laughs> off. Of, it was all wrong. My merch is wrong. All my, my specials are spelt wrong. Everything is just wrong. Uh, oh, yeah, man. because she, she, uh, she, I swear when she says it, she says Jokoi, but she always says that it's Jokoi. Joko, Joko. I'm like, all right. That's what <laughs> that's I, what I mean. It's kind of a cool nickname now that I know, but it took me 30 years to find out what she meant. I had no idea that it meant my Joe. So it's kind of cool. That's hilarious. Do you yeah. speak Tagalog? Uh, Tagalog. And yeah, Tagalog. I do. I, it, I, I, I speak it. it no, it's all good. I speak it, uh, you know, when I used to live there, I lived there for almost six years. So I was really, really good, you know, and uh, Damn. and now I could speak. Oh, yeah. Like if you get me in a room, like people think I'm fluent. It's just like, no, I'm just getting by. But I understand everything you're saying. There's no secrets being kept. I understand everything you say uh, and I can get through uh, speaking as well. So oh, I didn't know you spent time in the Philippines as well. Oh, so you yeah. Really- yeah. This is during your career or this is like during your university we were there, time? It, it was the most uh, memorable life, time of my life, man. Like uh, I always brag about my time in the Philippines. It was between the age of five to 11. So it was very, uh, it was my happiest, happiest time in my life. You know, the family was happy. Everyone was happy. It wasn't until we moved back to the States and I'm talking immediately back in the States. Uh, it just turned into turmoil. It was bad. And when I say immediately, like the minute we landed in uh, SeaTac and went to uh, uh, Nellis Air Force Base, which is uh, uh, one of the Air Force bases that uh, you know that are, that are there, all three naval, uh, all three Air Force, all three bases are in Tacoma, and uh, and we were like outside of Nellis Air Force Base, uh, staying in like a, 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 a late, I don't know what they're called, extended stay housing for the military to try and help us find a house. So we were staying this extended stay immediately like that week, it was the cops were called and my brother got arrested for fighting my dad. And it just, it was like, what is going on? Like it was just complete chaos the minute we landed. So yeah, that sucked. Well, dude, I mean, the, 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 is it, is Pinoy is like a politically correct term? Can, can I say Pinoy? I mean, you can, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's slang. You know what I mean? It's, it's slang between Filipinos. They call each other Pinoy's or Pinay. You know what I mean? Pinay or Filipino uh, women and Pinoy are the guys, you know what I mean? But yeah. But it's amongst Filipinos. It's not like. I mean, no, I mean, people go, oh, I got a Pinoy friend or whatever, but yeah, that's usually something a Filipino says to another Filipino. You know what I mean? Right. Well, the Philippine people generally, they're, they're just, they're just like the happiest people, right? So it, it totally makes sense that okay. you coming in from the Philippines to the U.S., like it's just a completely different culture, it different vibe. It was crazy. I talk about it in my book, man. But, you know, I didn't know I had that much PTSD until I started reading the book out loud when I did the audio version. I was just like, God damn, dude, I went through some shit. <laughs> you know, it took me it took me two weeks to record that in the booth. But, I mean, that was the best therapy session of my life, like – like I've never had therapy like that before. And it was all yeah. self-therapy. It was me literally just reading my book about my life, 
to two strangers who I don't even know, you know, and, and just crying every chapter, just like, fuck, I need a second, man. I need a, I need a second. So it, it, it was, it was healing. It, I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> you know, if you, if you ever have to read about your life out loud, uh, oof, get ready, get ready for, uh, for a lot. It's, it's, well, you know, it's part you, of the you, book. But you, 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 you forget that your, your muscle is, is, uh, you're the biggest muscle in your body has got to be the brain. And, and, uh, and, you know, it needs, it needs healing. It needs stretching and, uh, and doing it is very emotional. And that's what happened. I didn't mean to bring the pod down, but you know, we went there. <laughs> no, let's let dude, let's go into it. I mean, what yeah. what was the part of the book that was the most? It was my, difficult it was my first time actually opening. Like you know, normally I would have never started a pod with my brother and my dad fighting. You know what I mean? Like I would never even tell people I had a brother. You know what I mean? Like I just wouldn't. If anyone asked me, "Do you have siblings?" I always said, "I have two sisters." I would never, ever, ever say I had a brother. And the only reason why is because it's not that I'm, it's not that I don't like my brother. I love my brother. It's just, it opens up another, it opens up a part of my life that I'm not willing to share. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, immediately, you know, when someone goes, you you have a brother, where does he live? And then I got to tell you where he lives and what does he do? And now I have to tell the truth. You know what I mean? Now I have to really get into this, you know, this deep story about my brother. And, and, and so I'd rather just ignore it. And that's, that's our generation. That's a generation thing, right? Especially when you have a Filipino mom and, you know, and it's very prideful, you know what I mean? You don't talk about your brother that's in the family, you know, and you don't let anyone know about our secrets. And, and that's a generation thing. And it's like, you know, unfortunately it, it caused a lot of PTSD on me. <laughs> I hate using that all the time, but it's true. And, and now we live in a time where it's like, no, you don't have to be embarrassed about someone having mental illness in your family. Now it's, it's okay to talk about it. And it's great to talk about it because nothing better to hear someone else share the same story. Nothing better to hear someone like, hey, I got a sister that's dealing with that. Or I have a mom that has that too, man. I feel you. And now we can relate and share stories and understand that you're not alone, you know. And, mm. and that, that came from the book. And that, man, that was hard. That was really, really hard. To finally yeah. tell the world, you know, my brother's story and, and how traumatic it was at my house because, you know, he's dealing with, you know, you know, schizophrenia and, 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 and how he would lash out on the family and how he would always fight it, you know, just police every other week, just cops, hospital, cops, jail, just nonstop. And when you're a kid seeing this growing up, it's just like you you curl up and you're just trying to find a, a happy place. And, and that was stand-up. That was comedy for me. Mm-hmm. So you guys weren't really ever close per se. No, my brother, kind of, you don't yeah. understand. My brother is, he's so funny. Like I always say, he's the, he's the funniest one. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, uh, he loves the, he loves the office jokes. You know what I mean? The, the, the guy by the water cooler that's got that stupid joke that he just heard, you know what I mean? Or he, he read a meme and he can't wait to, tell people like, that's my brother and no one laughs harder than my brother. You know what I mean? And like, we have that relationship. We're so close, but it's just, unfortunately, you know, his, his situation has pulled the family, you know, apart. I think a lot of us are dealing with like just personal issues because of what we had to go through during that time, you know, and, yeah. and it sucks. It sucks. And, and, and it's cool because now I know I'm not alone, man. When, 
when I came out, you know, when that book came out, just the response of people just saying, you know, sharing their stories and just being open about it. Or some people going, oh, my God, you know, I never wanted to talk about my mom. But this chapter right here, you know, makes me want to tell people my story, too. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. You know? Yeah. So it's 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 really it's it's been a blessing, that book. It really is. Well, dude, yeah, it's courageous for you to, to, to start even sharing that. I know it like in Korea, at least like my background is South Korean, right? And it's forbidden to talk about going to like therapy or seeing oh. a psychologist. I mean, yeah. I know my brother had some issues as well. And then my aunt actually, she committed suicide from, from depression. So it's like a big thing that happens. Yeah. It's and a big thing people are now just getting comfortable talking about it. What was like, the it's reaction? crazy, right? That we're in 2021. And now it's like, I've never seen so many people bring up the issue, mental illness or mental awareness. And I was just like, where was this when I was a kid, man, if I was a kid yeah. and I got to see that on TV, I'm yo, I would have been like talking to everybody, everybody, dude. You know, know, but it just, it's sus, but I mean, you know what, it's, it's okay. You know, it's as long as it's out there now and, and, you know, and, you know, my, my son got to meet my brother, my son loves my brother and, you know, it's just, it's, it's really, it's a different time now. And, and I, and I love where we're going, you know, this generation's going the right way, you know, Mm -hmm. because those old habits, man. And I understand man. you, it's hard for me to explain to my son where my mom came from or where your dad came from or your mom came from. They don't understand what that type of oppression is or what type of racism that they dealt with. You know what I mean? You know, they, they get to see a semi opened door for them. It's not fully open, but it's almost there. You know what I mean? But, but you'll never know how it feels to have that door completely closed on you. You know, and, you know, I'm still dealing with like inner racism, just, just here in general, you know, just me speaking, you know, about my mom, you know, you know, doing stuff about my mom, telling her story, you know, giving my mom a character, a prideful character that she could be proud of and other Filipinos can embrace, you know, that was always my goal. I'm not going to make fun of Filipinos. I want to show people that my mom's a strong American that's Filipino, that lives in this country and she pays taxes and you get her and you know her and you've seen her. So don't act like you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when people sit there and go, oh, well, oh, yeah, he's doing that accent. Oh, yeah, of course, because I'm doing an impersonation of my mom and I'm doing a great impersonation. And if I don't do it, then who else is going to do it? Well, dude, you're also a comedian. Like you're, 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 you're trying to tell a message in an entertaining format. So, but it's so what kind of what kind of systemic racism is, is that for you to actually say that to anybody of any ethnicity? Not in just Asian, because you don't say it to a uh, you don't say it to uh, Larry the Cable Guy when he talks about his mom. That's an accent. There's no difference between Ron White doing an accent about his mom. Hey, Ron, come inside and eat breakfast now. What's the I difference think. from that and my mom going, Joseph, come inside and eat breakfast now? What is the difference, bro? <laughs> Other than the color of their skin, they're both accents, but you understand them clearly. So I don't get it. It's just systemic racism. It's just like this, it's this thing to be able to say it and get away with it. And it's not cool. Hmm. Like, I don't understand why, why, why that's a thing. That's even a topic. I just don't get it. It's like, yo, man, how are you going to sit there and act like my mom isn't just like your mom? You know what I mean? Yeah. How are you going to do that? It's belittling. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's offensive. 
you know, but where people are careless with the way they, they approach, uh, uh, their conversations with people, they're careless. You know what I mean? Cause you know, we've been, we've been normalized for so long and no, yeah. it's not normal anymore. You're not allowed to do that anymore. You're not allowed. It's not okay for you to be ignorant anymore. You know, you know, back in the day, you could be ignorant and be like, yo, I just don't know. It's like, no, you're just choosing to be ignorant right now. You do know there's mm-hmm. Google now. You can Google anything. Within a second, you'll find out. Within a second, bro. I can understand yeah. the 70s. Let me, get a, let me get an encyclopedia. Let me, you know, let me talk to a professor. But no, right now you got Google. It may not give you the right answer, the complete right answer, but it'll give you, it'll give you uh, an understanding. So you don't, you, know, you don't have to sit there and act like, you know, I just don't know. No, you're choosing not to know. Yeah. Well, this is what's so exciting about having someone like yourself and, you know, the, this kind of Asian movement that's happening where you're able to tell your own story, right? You're able to yeah. be on the platforms 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we just didn't have that. And, and it's, it's so refreshing for me to see this and for you to be telling your story and for people to be resonating and to really be learning about these different cultures that exist. I mean, what was like the reaction when you started to tell these stories about your brother and your family? Just even my, my brother family, was I, tough because it was, you know, yeah. I always, I always wanted to talk about my brother. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. My bad. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. I always wanted to talk about my brother on stage, but like my whole point is to try and make a really, you know, not a good situation. Funny. You know what I mean? Because I still want to tell my story. Like when I tell the story about my sisters being kicked out of the house at 18 and I'm by myself with my mom crying, like, you know, when I deliver the joke on stage, it's funny, but it, it wasn't funny when it happened. You know what I mean? That's not a funny situation. It's a real situation. You know what I mean? But when you listen to it, you laugh and you, you're like, ah, that's, oh, I get it. That's funny. But then you're also like, yo, my sister left at 18. And then now my son's 18. And I'm like, fuck, this kid can't leave at 18. Yeah. He's just a kid. How, how did my sister do it? Like, how does she do that? At my, at, I'm looking at my son right now going, my sister left the house at this age. Like, what? Yeah. How, what the fuck? That's incredible. You know what I mean? So for me to be able to talk about that and, and still make it funny, like that situation funny, you know, that's, that's, that's the art of comedy, I guess. But, but man, I, you know, it's hard for me to do that with my brother. Like, how do I how do I talk about something that's so personal and, you know, and it's not a funny situation, you know what I mean? But it is my life and my brother is a cool person. And if I, if I can find the right angle and the right, you know, way of presenting my brother the right way, you know what I mean? With still trying to show some type of awareness about it, I'd like to do it, but I don't want to like do a disservice. You know what I mean? I don't want to just do it just to do it. You know what I mean? So it's going to take me a while. And I've been trying, I've been trying so long to, to try and talk about my brother. It's just hard. It's really hard. It really is. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll try. I got another special coming up. You know, I've been working on some stuff with my brother. Yeah. We'll see. You know, what was his reaction when he read the book? And you know, to be honest, he hasn't even told me that he read it yet. <laughs> he's uh, got it though. But he you know, he's read it, right? You know, he's read it. He just hasn't I'm told pretty, you. I'm pretty sure, you know, you know, if you ever met my brother, you would understand his situation, right? Like 
it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Like when, when I get to talk to my brother, it's, it's a very small window that opens. Right. So yeah. it's like the window opens and you get Robert for like two or three minutes. It's like, here's Robert. And then it closes. And now I gotta, now I gotta figure out a way to talk to my brother without getting mad because I'm not talking to my brother anymore. I'm talking to another personality right now. And it's just right. like, right. it's like this, it's this mental game that you have to play and you have to also step back and understand that, you know, Hey, Robert's not, you know, he's not healthy. So yeah, man, I'm sorry. We got deep on this one, huh? No, man, this is what it's all about. I mean, I, I almost feel like this is kind of how you started to find your voice, right? Is you started to go deep and really go inner in terms of the culture that you originated from your yeah. family and you started with your mom, of course, who was 100%. kind of- I know really the joke that I started with. It took yeah, me, like, so I was, I was doing stand-up, like, I was already 15 years in, right? And I was doing great, man. I was doing, I was on the Black College Comedy Tour. I was opening up for famous Black comics. You know what I mean? I was always the opener for, like, you know, like Michael Blackson, Cedric the Entertainer, Mike Epps, Snoop Dogg. I'm doing all this stuff, like, like early 90s and, you know, early two. Like mid, like mid nineties to early two thousand, and then, uh, but I always stayed in like this pocket, you know, because it, it was safe there. Just do the easy jokes that everyone knows, you know what I mean? Let's just stay right here. I wanted to talk about my my mom, but it's like, how? How do I do it? You know, I live in a country where it's very normal to make fun of Asians, and and Asians are okay with it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. to see my mom have a little kid pull her eyes back on my mom like that on the escalator. And my mom just go, it's okay, Joseph. He's yeah. just being funny. Like to see that with my mom, it, it's, it normalized me. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm living in this country where I'm like, oh, that's okay. So now how do I become funny in, in, in a, in a, in a workspace that's dominated by a particular group that's, you know, that's, that's pretty much, you know, I, I'll say it white, you know what I'm saying? They, they control yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. And it's like, how do I do it? How do I tell my story? How do I make it relatable to them? Because I already know how it is. I know how they already look at us. I already know how they look at my mom. I see it on TV. What are my inspirations on TV? You know what I mean, oh, okay. Pat Morita has to have a, a thick Asian accent to get a Hollywood part. Even though the guy never even spoke Japanese. You know what I mean? But his, his legacy is, crazy. you know, one of the greatest characters of all time. Let's not lie. Mr. Miyagi is amazing. But the guy never spoke. He never even spoke. He, he spoke perfect English. He was, I think he was from America. You know what I mean? But that I, was I mean, the think about the role itself, though. It's not even just the accent, right? Just the role that he has to fit into in the yeah. type of movie that he's been into just to exactly. be able to have an Asian character in, in a movie. Exactly. And, 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 it's, and to explain that to people, like, that was my inspiration, right? Well, as a kid, that's my inspiration, right? Because I'm trying to find other Asians within the industry. And it's like, and it sucks because I am half white, but it's like, let's be honest, man. You know what I mean? I, 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 I you know, when my mom and dad divorced, I'm, I'm being raised by Asians. You know what I mean? My best friends were all Koreans. Like, that's all I used to talk about was me being Korean. You know what I mean? And, yeah. 
and and you know, not me being Korean, but hanging out with Koreans, you know what I mean? And and then my yeah. Filipino side, like all I knew was just this Asian circle that was around me. So it's like, what's my inspiration? What do I mm-hmm. what do I get inspired by? You know what I mean? And uh, so you, you you do whatever was normalized in that situation, right? Yeah. So it's like when I first started coming up, of course I'm doing those jokes. I'm doing those jokes to make whatever laugh because I have to. Yeah. And that's no excuse for me. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but that's the time. You know what I mean? And it took me a while. It took me like 15 years to be like, yo, I talk about my mom. You know what I mean? But how? Mm-hmm. How do I do it where I'm not making fun of my mom? How do I do it to where I'm just doing my mom, but yet they'll know that she's Filipino or they'll know she's Asian. But how do I make it to where people love her? And, and that's, it was literally the Wii. When the Wii came out, the Wii, uh, when Nintendo came out with the Wii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Christmas and she was playing with my son. And I was just watching my mom play this Wii with my mom. She's just talking shit. I've never seen her do it before. You know what I mean? I've seen her talk shit, but not like that. She's like, oh, there you go. Okay, who's next? You know what I mean? I was like, okay. And I went on stage and did, I just did that. And I was like, got it. I got it. I'm going to be my mom. I'm going to physically become my mom. And and that's that's, that's how it all started, the Wii. And then then from there, I just got more confident with like deeper stories. You know what I mean? And just like shining light on like my childhood with my mom and comparing it with my son and I and, and my mom and, 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 and myself and, and comparing the two different styles of parenting. And, mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. that was my whole goal with that. And, and, yeah. and then it took off, you know what I mean? And, and I'm glad it did. I'm glad I'm that voice. You know what I mean? But you know, that's, 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 that's how it all, that's how it all went down, man. Yeah, man. And even when you're it special, easy, bro, it wasn't easy, man. I will tell you that. You know, like we say, oh, he's got that Netflix special. And it's like, yo, I didn't have that Netflix special. You know what well, I mean? We'll talk about that. I mean, you you actually, you made it happen, right? Like you yeah, put in your own money to yeah. talk to me a little about how you actually went through that. Yeah, well, they turned me down. And, you know, and, and before before Netflix, because Netflix made this big announcement. I think it was 2015. They said, hey, we're not going to buy content anymore. We're going to start making our own content original Netflix specials. And they went after all these big name comics, right? And they were just signing deal after deal after deal. And they were like, it will come out 2017, 2016. We're going to shoot all these specials. And I heard about it and I was like, I need to be on that list. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm not trying to say, I'm just saying like, if you would have seen my numbers in 2015, I was crushing, bro. Like my numbers were massive. Like I was- wow breaking records at improvs like i was doing two weeks in a row like no one was doing that like i was doing 18 sold out shows in a row five months in advance like i wasn't even advertising i wasn't even doing radio it was just like you put my name on on the marquee and every show would sell out like like legit like that's that was what was going on and i was just like oh they're gonna approach me because why wouldn't they right that's that was my mindset why wouldn't they like i'm literally the biggest comic on this circuit right now you know, and, and, and yes, there are other big names. What I'm saying is at that time, man, I was crushing. Mm. So it was like, why aren't you approaching me? You know what I mean? Just like you're approaching the other big guys. I'm one of those big guys. So why aren't you approaching me? And they never, ever, ever approached me. So then we started calling them. You are like, hey, uh, you know, love for you to see this hour, blah, blah, blah. You know, they knew of me. They heard of me or whatever it was. And then they were like, oh, we'll come check out this hour. I was like, you'll really, you, you, this hour, I'm telling you, you got to see it. it's perfect for Netflix. Dude, we kept calling and calling. There was times where they would say, all right, we'll be there tonight to see you. 
And then right when the show starts, we get a phone call. Oh, I'm sorry. We had to cancel. And it's just like, it was like they were dangling this, this cheese in front of me and making me chase it, you know? And, and then finally it just came to the point where it was like late 2015. It was like late 2015 and I was getting nervous. I'm like, dude, they're going to start shooting. 2016, they're shooting all these specials for 2017. I was like, dude, they called us and they were like, Hey, uh, yeah, we already got all our specials for 2017. So let's just wait till 2017. And then, you know, on the, on the next run, we'll, we'll come and look at you. And I was just like, bro, 2015, 16, 17, 18, that's four years. Like the stuff I'm talking about, my son's 12. It's like, dude, I won't be able to, I was like, screw it. I'll shoot it myself. And we literally, my manager was like, you got the money. Let's do this. My manager helped me. And, uh, and we shot that special ourselves. And, uh, and literally I paid for everything. I, I had to get That's the venue. Crazy, I hired man. the directors, the, the stage behind me, uh, the, the setting behind me. And I did my research. I was studying all these other specials and how to make it sound just like the best thing I could put on TV. And, and, uh, but I was pissed, dude. I was so pissed off. Cause I was just like, why, why is it that I'm the only one that has to do this? And I'm not saying I'm the only one, but why am I doing it? Yeah, why am I shooting yeah. Why is everyone else getting this shot? And there was even guys that were opening for me that got no special. Yeah, man. That I took on the road. And I was like, what? Really? So why do you think this I is? Didn't, I didn't go public, though. I never went like, okay. oh, screw Netflix. Everyone cancel your subscription. Right, right, yeah. This is definitely some type of, I didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I understand. I understand where they're coming from. Like, it's a business, right? Whoever's in charge of handing out these specials, are in charge of a lot of money. And if they make the wrong decision, they get in trouble for it. I get it. It's a business. But this one they messed up on. You know what I mean? You yeah, didn't do your work. You didn't do you didn't do your right work. I don't know what it was that you didn't see in me that you didn't think that it deserved to be on that platform. But I had to prove to them that they were wrong. So I shot it myself. You know? Yo, check this out, man. We we spent so much money on that special that um like it was a lot of money and um and then we still get a phone call like up until we were supposed to shoot and they it was netflix and they're like hey we know that you're shooting but we also want to let you know that we're really not interested like they were trying so hard to push away because they didn't want any type of like you know what i mean they didn't want anyone coming at them like hey man you said if we shot it they were like no we really want you to know that if you shoot this we don't want it so that was what I was walking out on stage with. Like people don't know the back backstory on that, you know. They Holy don't they don't know shit. that I'm being funny, but like backstage just before I walked out, I was like I was pissed, I was crying, my son is sleeping. I'm just like, "Yo, why do I got to shoot this shit myself, dude? This is fucked up." You know, I was so mad. My agent, my manager, they were just like, "Yo, just just do your best, man. Just just crush it tonight like you always do and, and let us handle this. Don't worry about it." Like they were so good. But I was mad, man, you know? Like, what is it? What, what is it about my mom that you didn't want to hear? What was it about my story that you didn't want to hear? Like, what was it? Mm-hmm. What was it that you mm-hmm. didn't get? <laughs> what did you get? Anyways. Do, do you think this goes back to full circle about the people that are in charge of making these decisions are I, for lack of a better white and they, they just can't that. relate? I don't. Yeah. I don't want to say that. I just, I, you know, because I love the team that's there now. You know what I mean? I love the Netflix team that's there. They've been nothing but gracious to me. But I mean, whoever was there before, I don't know what happened. I don't know what that was. But when I shot it 
and I cut it up myself and I brought it to them within an hour, like an hour that I dropped it on their table. They were like, do not shop this anywhere else. We want it. And I knew they were going to buy it. Like when I cut that thing, I remember sitting in the editing bay and I looked at my manager and the guy that helped us edit. And I was like, yo, we got ourselves a special, like this one's special. And yeah, so it was, it was, it was cool to be like, you know, finally appreciated, you know what I mean? And, you know, don't get me wrong. I cried again. I always cry. Right. But that was just like an emotional moment. Like, yo, like, why'd you guys make me work so hard for this? You know, it just, it just sucks. It's just like, you know, and then when they, they, you know, the, the most, the most hurtful thing you could say to somebody like, like, you know, especially somebody like, like us, it's like, why do you got to do stuff on your, your mom? Why, why do you got to talk about your mom, man? And I'm just like, yo, man, if I don't, then who is? Because Hollywood ain't. How many Filipino TV shows have you ever seen? How many Filipino characters have you ever seen represented where they're just a mom? Yeah. A hundred years in Hollywood. How many times? I can name two. I can name three. And that's all three of my specials. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So if I never shot him, then we'd never see him. Yeah. Or when I do the the joke about Asians, uh, you know, telling Asians apart. Listen, listen to the dynamic of that joke, man. Like, listen to it, man. Like, really see how carefully written that joke was. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, really hear it, man. Like, you know what I mean? It was my way of showing, like this, this way of us laughing at ourselves, you know what I mean? But also proud of ourselves, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, yo, that is us and that's dope. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, and I, and the way I, 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 I wrote that joke, I wanted to make sure it was like, you know, when I did the Vietnamese joke, when I wrote that joke, it was about my sister's ex-boyfriend's brother. You know what I mean? His name was V. He lived right next to us and he used to talk like that. You know what I mean? And I was just like, yo, but the one thing you don't want to do is mess with that guy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like those are, you know, they, they're small, but they'll mess you up. Like, like there was these things that I did to also like, it was, let's have fun, but let me also compliment you. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, and I wanted you to be proud of what I was doing. I wanted to give my best version of that. You know what I mean? And I clearly said at the beginning of that joke, it was like, you know, uh, only when they have an accent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, only when they have an accent. Because without one, you can't. All right? Yeah. So don't even try. Because <laughs> you're going to look stupid. But if they do, there are subtleties that you can probably, you know what I mean? Like, there was those things that I was trying to do and, and just give that voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something to be proud about, man. Like, I love it when Vietnamese people come to my show. Like, yo, finally, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Or when Koreans come up to me. It's like, they, they love it. They love it. Mm. And, I, and it makes me happy because it's like, finally, it's this representation of like, we're celebrating together, right? Mm. I hope that makes sense. You know what I mean? It does, it's man. Like this, here we go. Here's a good representation of us. And here's a good way of us laughing about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. But to me, that was everything. And it was, it was so important that I got that out there. I, I had to get that out there. So, yeah. So it's just Dude, like, you when you think it about it, yeah, when you think about it, it's just like, you know, who else is going to do it, man? Who else? No one else is going to do it. I got that note one time when I was supposed to do 
a talk show. I'm not going to give the names, right? But there was this one talk show, which I'll never do again. And uh, is it famous? Like pretty, pretty big? Oh yeah, huge. Okay, okay. It was the most like it was to promote my uh, coming in hot special, and uh, and the note was, "Hey, we love everything, but if you don't mind, can you not do the joke about your mom?" And I'm like, "What? That is your whole." That's your thing, but, like. But why? Yeah. I like why that. though? Like, tell me your honest reason why. Because to me, it's, it doesn't make sense. Like, why? Why? Why are you telling me to not talk about my mom? If I don't talk about my mom, who else is? How else? How else am I going to make a lot of people in this country that are my mom's, you know, ethnicity and her background and and her generation? Yeah. When when is it that they they pay taxes? They watch TV. All the advertisements that are sponsoring your show, they buy. They buy, bro. You know what I mean? So they're helping your show be on the air. So why is it that one little moment you don't want them to have some type of identity or some type of relatable content that they can embrace, even though they're not the majority? So that's what that's based on because they're not the majority, that they don't have a voice, then what kind of responsibility do you have? Yeah. <laughs> so we're only going to cater to what? The majority? So what? 68% of the population is white? So that's who we cater to, huh? So, so anybody else that's American that just happens to be ethnic <laughs> doesn't have a voice because they're not the majority. Middle America is not going to get it. All right. That doesn't make sense to me. So how do you push back? You just say, no, like screw I off. I just keep this pushing is, forward, bro. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I just got to keep shooting these specials. I just got to keep, you know, I have to, you know, I'm glad if you, if there, if that's your excuse, Oh, why do you keep like, why wouldn't I keep? <laughs> what? what kind of question is that? You don't ask that for anybody else. I, I don't understand why you don't ask that for anybody else. Yeah. But when someone else talks about their mom that just happens to be ethnic, it's a question. I don't get it. Dude. I'm sorry I'm, I'm bringing it here, but it's just like it bothers me all the time. And it's, it's so funny when, you know, I, you know, when I first came to Hollywood, it was always that excuse like, oh, we don't know if middle America get it. <laughs> who, who cares? Who cares if middle America doesn't get it? Right. Right. Who cares? When you, when you control that much power, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility, dude. You can't have that much power and just be selfish. Now you're, now you're being oppressive. Like now you're just like controlling. And that's not cool. When you have that much power, you have to share. You have to. You know what I mean? But also look at your numbers. Like numbers don't lie. That's what I don't get. That, you know, I that's mean, what, it's just. Bro, how am I selling out? <laughs> dude, I just put uh, Sacramento. Like I'm going to play Sacramento Arena, where the Kings play, right? Where the oh Kings my God. play. Sold the first show out in less than an hour. How many? The second seats? show is almost sold out. I'm doing two arenas in Sacramento. I sold two forums out. Sold two Chase Centers before before the Warriors even play there. I went to Australia. Sold out the arena there. Sold out Radio City Music Hall a year in advance. Uh, Omaha, I, I, oh, Nebraska. Oh, wait, wait, uh, Nashville. I just sold out the Ryman Theater. No Asians. <laughs> right. <laughs> It was like a handful of Asians. It was all like white people, black people, Latino. Like 
everyone's getting it, man. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to understand what they're talking about. But that's, that was my whole thing. It's just like, what are you talking about? Like, yo, if you have that much power, it's your social responsibility to share. You have to. You can't sit there and just say, hey, middle America is not going to get it. Well, guess what, man? Guess what, dude? There's a small percentage of this, this population that isn't middle America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're consumers. They're taxpayers. They watch your programs. But yet you're not giving them an identity. And you're not giving them something to relate to. And that's not fair. It's your responsibility to do that. It sucks. How are you going to come out with a show called Nurses and not have one Filipino nurse? <laughs> what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. But yet yeah. you want you want Filipino nurses, which you so and I know you've seen in every yeah. damn hospital in this country. My mom's a nurse, man. I mean, I get exactly. it. Exactly. Like, you know nurses it. in my family. But yeah. yeah, you're going to come out with a show on NBC called Nurses and not one Filipino on that poster. But yet you want the nursing staff at every hospital in America to support that show. How are they even going to watch it? What are they relating to? What? The, the scrubs that they're wearing? They don't even see anyone that looks like them. It doesn't even look like their shift. <laughs> that's 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 the kind of that's what I just don't get. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just like. You know, when, when, you know, I've been dealing with all that, I don't get it. I don't get it. And by the way, I love Netflix. They give me everything now. You know, I have another special with them. You know what I mean? And, and I've, I've said this to them personally, you know what I mean? And, and I love everybody there. Robbie, Joanne, Neil, Robert, like all these, there's such a great crew over there. And, you know, but, you know, it's just, it, it, I guess what I had to do was that, that, that I had to open up that door. You know what I mean? That's why yeah. when I got in his elements and I went to the Philippines, no shit, I'm going to go to the Philippines. No was shit. Was that hard to convince them to do an no. entire special based on? Okay, so they were afraid no. of when they When they saw what happened with the first two specials that came out. Yeah. And then I told them, please let me go to the Philippines. Like, let's just do a show mm. where there's comedy and singing and let's give opportunity to, to Filipino uh, artists that live in the Philippines and show them that, that it is possible to dream. You know what I mean? Here's a big network coming here to, you know, <laughs> showcase you. And it's just like, you know, we'll cross promote. We'll have Filipino Americans go to the Philippines and deal with, you know, and interact with Filipinos that are trying to make it in the same business. Like, I just wanted this whole thing and just mesh it together within an hour. You know what I mean? Let me show just one dish. Let me just show one dish of my food just so people know, oh, we have this. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is our food yeah. and these are our people. And, oh, they speak English. And, you know, let me just do that. And they loved it. They were like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. my, my favorite my favorite uh, compliment from that special in his elements was uh, Tommy Lee, the drummer from uh, Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great fan. Of, he, he loved, we're friends, right? But, you know, we, we met through DM because he watched my coming in hot special and he just DM me. He was like, bro, you're so funny. Me and my wife are dying. Right. And we became friends and, and, uh, and then coming in, uh, and then in his elements came out and immediately right when that aired, he DM me. He was like, yo, I've never been to the Philippines. I had no idea they could speak English. He's like, dude, Motley Crue's never been there. I'm like, what? Yeah. You're just Why? opening up. The country Why? for these people, yeah. But that—that's that—that was the whole goal of that special because someone like him, as iconic as he is and as huge as they are, he has no idea that there's singers in the Philippines that sound just like Vince Neil. You know what I mean? 
that speak English, sing their songs and yeah, man. fucking you know, karaoke. It just, yeah. And it just took that one little door to open for him to be like, we're going man. And that, yeah. to me, that was, that's what it was all worth right there. Right there. Mm. That was worth it right there. I love it, man. Well, listen, <laughs> I want to dig into how you go through this process, your creative process, your artistic process yeah. from this vision that you have of making the special you're coming up with a new special now. Yeah. You're coming out with the content itself. I mean, it's really hard, right? Because now you have this big name and you need to go out and test your work and feel it out, see what works. And, and really just, you're really crafting this art, right? You're curating what works, you're throwing out what doesn't, and you're just constantly experimenting. Yeah. As a big name now, I mean, what's your relationship with rejection and how have you kind of evolved from it from the start of your career? I've been, you know, I've been kind of blessed, man. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like I get, I get to work stuff out on, you know, in front of huge crowds, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's kind of easy now. Like, like, I, you know, my first special, uh, that I shot, you know, it was called don't make them angry. You know, I was playing rooms with 15 people, you know I mean? I'm trying to find areas to work jokes out and then I'm not, I don't know if I'm getting an honest reaction or are they just too drunk or are they even listening? Like that was hard. You know what I mean? Like trying to figure that out. But now I've been kind of blessed because within an hour, like my last hour special, I was already working on my next hour. You know what I mean? And then when that one came out, I was already working on this hour. So I just kind of like work these new jokes in between old jokes and figure out, you know, what's funny and what's not for the next special. But now that I've been laid off for 15 months, you know, there's, there's, there's this whole new God life that was presented to the whole world that I need to talk about. You know what I mean? And, and I got to figure that out because, you know, I got to shine light on how my son went through his senior year. I got to shine light on how I dealt with, you know, not being able to work for 15 months. You know what I mean? Which is, yeah which was crazy. You know, it was like, you know, that was my everything. It was, it was taken from me. You know what I mean? It's the only thing I knew, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, what do you do? It's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And I, and I wasn't going to buy into the other stuff. It was like, Oh, just do a zoom comedy show. It's just like comedy. I'm like, no, it's no, not. No, that's not going to, I don't even know how to no. turn the computer on still. <laughs> so yeah. So that's the stuff I'm talking about and I gotta, I'm figuring it out, but it's been good, man. I'm already at a, an hour and 15 right now. So good wow and you got your brother stuff in there as well i'm trying it's hard bro i wish you i can do it bro come on i know believe me i want to i think I it's will. gonna it's really going to be special if you can incorporate that in there especially yeah, with you right. how he may have dealt with you know 15 months or 12 months alone by himself you know in his own thoughts i mean it's there's a lot of stuff there i feel yeah you're right. I will. But you also got to understand for you to say it, it's easy. For yeah. Me to no, say I totally it live and publicly is very emotional. Yeah. So even if I am trying to be funny, it, I'm pretty sure something's going to come out of this eye right here. For, you know, <laughs> like, it's just a little bit of weapon. Yeah, man. Have you also dealt with, you know, just throughout comedy, one of the correlations I've seen is certainly the difficulties of like dealing with mental health. And yeah. the origins of how people become comedians, right? Obviously, you've had a very traumatic childhood, but yeah. how have you dealt throughout your evolution of your career 
just your overall mental health and how you've dealt with that? You know, it's, 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 uh, mentally is it's, 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 it's tough. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, it's a very strenuous schedule and, but you know, you, you have a lot of sacrifices and, and it, it hurts, you know, to, you know, I miss like my son's birthday. And it's like, I'm always apologizing and telling my son and my son, my son is the coolest kid. You know what I mean? He's, he gets it. He knows what I'm doing and he knows what I'm doing is, is not just a good time. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, knows this yeah, is my yeah. life. He knows that, you know, his lifestyle is because of these sacrifices and, and, you know, I'm doing this all for him. And, you know, that's, that's, but it still does, it still hurts, you know, to be, in Vancouver in quarantine, celebrating your son's phone via uh, celebrating your son's birthday via FaceTime. Like that's rough. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the kind of stuff that is tough and I have to get mentally prepared for that because this schedule is going to be crazy. It goes all the way until 2023. Wow. And, you know, and then the movie was just, you know, that was new, but it was fun to do, but man, it was, it was stressful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was just great. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm dealing with right now. And I, and I know I can get through it. So, uh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm more excited than I am stressed to be honest. Yeah. 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 Do you, do you feel that, um, I, I was listening to this interview with Jerry Seinfeld and he was asked this question, which is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people with that comedic mindset have depressing episodes and, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like do people that have that, do they sometimes seek, do they fear seeking for help thinking that it might rob them of their comedic side? Kind of the X factor that they get from that dark moments that they have in their minds. I, you know, I, it, it, you know, it is a style thing. You know what I mean? Not everyone can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. And just overall, not everyone, not everyone can talk about it, man. It's, it's, it's a, you know, I look at comedy as genres, you know what I mean? I break them down to genres. There's, there's people that do puppets and I love it. And there's people that do music, you know what I mean? With, with keyboards and and I love it. Like I love Mm -hmm. all the different styles, you know, and political there's guys that I, I would never touch a political topic because I just, I just don't have it. I just, I don't know how to banter or, or make it to me. I couldn't make it funny. Like I just couldn't, I wouldn't do it justice. I'll make it funny, but I wouldn't do it justice. Like right. I wouldn't be able to do it like a Chris rock or a, or a, you know, or a Bill Maher or, or whoever, Dennis Miller, whoever, you know, whoever's in that, that, in that Lewis black, you know, those guys that sit in that political pocket. Sure. Right. But, you know, and then there's people that talk about their families, you know what I mean? And those are the ones I, when I was a kid, I enjoyed it, dude. I loved listening to people talk about their families, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, those, those were my inspirations, seeing the the family, the family comedy, you know, the, the Tim Allen, the Lou, uh, Louis Anderson, Eddie Murphy, uh, Bill, before, you know, mm. before all this crap happened, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just... Yeah. Hearing those stories of a kid and a mom or a dad, it was just like, I'd be on the floor holding my gut, just dying. Cause it's just <laughs> like, I do that. You know what I mean? I always was like, I, like, I just loved it. I loved hearing that style. So yeah, yeah, that it's, it's, it's a, it's a completely different style, man, to be able to open up and put it all out there. 
but it's equally as hard to do what they do. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to do that. The observational stuff. I can't, I mean, I can, I mean, I can, but it's just like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, those guys. I can do it. I can do that. I can do it better too. I, mean. I can do that off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I, I would never like try and hone in and do an hour and 15 on that. Like, that's just not my genre. That's not my thing. Do you think about, cause you know, when you think about your kind of the evolution of your career, 15 years ago, you found that talking about your family, talking about your culture, that was this X factor and this, this, this key thing that really defined you and really catapulted you. Right. Yeah. Do you ever think like in the next 10 years that you're going to be able to find another kind of this big pillar within your comedy act that would allow you to even extend further and do you, do you constantly experiment with things like I, observational comedy and yeah. things, no, like, I mean, things like, you know, bro, like that, that's always my thing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can't, you can go to two of my shows back to back. It's going to be two different shows. You know what right. I mean? And that's always been my thing. Observation's easy for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I love to interact with the crowd and improvise and ad lib. And I think that's what keeps my chops going. That's mm. what keeps it fresh and new. I don't like to deliver the, the, the same routine back to back. Like I, I wouldn't like do a Friday show and it's identical on Saturday. I would never do that. It's just because yeah. of me personally, it's like this self challenge. And um, so, yeah, I, I, and not only that, I just have like this unlimited amount of stories I haven't even told yet. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you pick two stories and it's like they go for 12 minutes. It's like you only mm-hmm. get an hour. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, I, I love where I'm at and I love the pocket that I'm in. So there is going to be some new stuff on this one that I am going to talk about that I can't wait to say. Um, and I just feel like I have, you know, a lot more people behind me that can support it now. You know what I mean? Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Whereas I was just a young up and coming kid back in the day where I'm just like, okay, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get it. So that's what you want. Me. Okay. I'll, I'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want me to do so now I'm in that position where it's like okay I can I can open up about certain things and not be afraid to say it now you know yeah man I mean you've had a, such a long long lasting career throughout this entire time and I understand that it, it took a while to really get you to this level right and it's it's fairly recent that this has happened I, I, I like you're always up on top but for you to really get to this insane level, selling but it out almost multiple didn't stadiums, happen. and it almost didn't happen, and you took a bet on yourself. I mean, yeah. how, how do you think you've been able to be patient amongst this time? I'm sure you know. I, I listen to Bobby Lee's podcast as well, and I, he always talks about this idea of people that he started with and the level that they got to when maybe he was just ten years into it, and seeing people that just when he was starting or maybe people that were opening for him were having greater success than he was at certain points. I mean, how do you develop and stay grounded when you're in this long game? I'm, you know, and I, I share the same story with Bobby, by the way, Bobby and I go way back. I don't know if you know that right. we go 25 yeah, yeah, yeah. years back, like we go yeah. way back. And, um, 
He so. always talks about you, by the way. Sometimes it'll be a shitty thing he'll say about me, and then sometimes it'll be a beautiful thing he says about me. But <laughs> yeah. no matter what, when him and I are together, we're, we're always going to be brothers. You know what I mean? And, and I love That's that it. about him because he's, he's phenomenal. I've always said it about him. Like he said some things to me in a parking lot one time that, that really struck a chord. And, and it, it, it made me stick my, my gear into sixth. Cause I was sitting in like third gear and neutral a lot, you know, I was enjoying just coasting and there was this, there was a situation. I said it on his podcast uh, to his face uh, where he, he yelled at me in a parking garage, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was in Col- it was Colorado Avenue. I'll give you the street location and I'll, I'll even tell you, uh, that it was in Santa Monica. So I'll tell you exactly where it was, but it was in that parking garage when he literally yelled at me and he said some things to me that like, I remember getting in the car going, damn, like, fuck. And I just started my car and I just drove off and then it just, it burnt in my brain. And literally that night I just went, I went for it. Like I'd never wanted Bobby to say that kind of stuff to me. You know what I mean? And I'm glad he did. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I've said it on his pod, but he was just like, you know, it was, it was, I don't want to repeat it, but it was, it was, it was good stuff. It was like, you know, you just don't get it. And I don't want to say it right now, but you know, I said it on his pod, but he, he said some choice things to me that, that really struck. And, and I'm glad he said it to me. And it was uh, just about that you can do better and he was pushing you and in, in like, in yeah, but there was way. also another thing that he said to me that was like, it was like a personal thing. Okay. And it, and it struck so hard that I was just like, Oh God, he's right. Like he's so right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and it so made me work what really, said. really hard. It made me really, really work hard, man. And, uh, and um, yeah, so yeah, Bobby, Bobby and I go way back, man. My, my first show that I ever put together at UNLV was Bobby Lee. And, and I remember selling that. Check this out. You want to hear some crazy stuff? Yeah. I remember asking, because in order to get the room at UNLV, uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, I was trying to get the room at, uh, at Student Union there. And, uh, and this is like 25 years ago, right? And I go, but... In order for me to get that room, if I wasn't going to the school full time because I was only a part time student, I had to pay two thousand dollars for this room, right? Because you had to house it, seat it, uh, you, you had to get seats, and, and you had to get staff, and you had all this stuff, and you had to keep the lights open. So it was like two grand, right, or something like that, or like fifty, whatever. He goes, yeah. but if you're a student, you get it for free. You get it for one hundred fifty bucks. And then the guy, the lady at the office, goes, "You might want to just ask some student, uh, like whatever student." things, you know, organizations to see if they'll sponsor it. And I go, I'm going to go to the Filipino Student Association. (laughs) That's a no brainer. And I went to this Filipino Student Association. We had a big meeting inside the, inside, uh, this is 25 years ago, whoever this, and I know you guys are watching now because you guys messed up. Uh, I had this meeting. I made these flyers at Kinko's. It was like a bio of Bobby Lee who had no credits at the time, like no mad TV, no comedy central. He was just an up and coming comic. And then there was me. And then this other cat named Mark Fernandez, he was Filipino. He was out of San Diego. We were just up and coming Asian comics. Right. And my whole pitch was, Hey man, we're just Asian comics trying to do some stand up, and we would love to entertain you guys. Um, 
All we need you to do is sign off on this paper so we can get this venue for free. You don't have to pay us because we're going to charge $5 at the door and that'll pay for the comics because I'm flying them in from blah, blah, blah. And, and it, all we need is your help, right? But, but you will help inspire other Asians to do stand-up by helping us. Like that was my whole pitch, right? And I gave him the bios and everything. I'm like, oh, okay, we love it. I go, I'm Joe Coy. I'm Filipino. My mom used to be in the Filipino, uh, it was called... Uh, Filipino American so far. I forget what it was called, but she was in this thing uh, with a bunch of Filipinos too. And I told her about it and I was like, Oh, my mom was in this Filipino organization in the Philip uh, in, in Washington. And I used to do all these talent shows with my mom. And so I get it. It'd be, this would be a great thing to bring back to, to, you know, to the student body and, and see other Asians excelling in, in, in like, I was trying to sell it like in yeah, their dream, yeah. making their dreams come true as being a, I thought I sold it. I get a phone call. Yeah, we're going to pass. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why are you going to pass, you guys? Like, all you have to do is sign. All you have to do is sign the paper. We're good. Yeah, yeah. And I was dating this white girl at the time. And uh, and her, she was, uh, and I, I remember telling her the story at work. I was like, yo, they passed on me. I can't even throw this show. And they passed. And and the, her coworker, forget his name. I wish I could remember, man. I love this guy. He goes, I'll sign it. <laughs> I go, what? He goes, why not? I'll sign it. He goes, my fraternity is signed. We'll sign anything. <laughs> and he signed it. So I got this venue for free by this white guy. Wow. I forget his name. If he's watching, I know he is because he came to one of my shows and I hugged him so hard. He came to like a show like five years ago and I hugged him. I go, dude, you're the reason why I knew comedy, man. You saved my life back then. Because I had I bought those tickets for Bobby and, and Mark and everything. I had hotel rooms, but I didn't have I, I didn't have a venue. Anyways, long story short. I remember when we signed it, they, they brought me to the venue and I go, man, you're going to need about a, about a thousand seats in here. We're going to pack this room. <laughs> so they put in a thousand seats. Right? Oh my God. So packed. And, uh, and I, a Bobby came in and Mark came in and it was like eight o'clock, right? The show was supposed to start at eight and no one's there. And the student union is empty. And I'm just like, Oh, my dad was there and he brought a, a person that he worked with there. So there was like, there was like nine people in the front row. I got a thousand empty seats, bro. Oh my God. And Bobby's there. And I'm just looking at Bobby like, oh man, I'm sorry, man. Oh, by the way, it was a free show. It wasn't $5 a show. It was a free show. And I was going to get sponsors to pay Bobby and, uh, and, uh, and Mark. And uh, no one came. And I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry, Bobby. He's like, ah, no, it's not a big deal, man. We'll just go up anyways. Let's have fun. And then all of a sudden, that kid that signed the paper, he brought his whole fraternity. Oh, it's like nice. 30 deep, right? So 39 people there. Number up, but it was a lot, a lot of white dudes. <laughs> and then yeah. they came in and then they brought the sorority and then they all came oh, in. There we go. The there we go. Thing. And I was just like, we got a show. It was like 90 people. I was like, we got a show. Dude, that was one of the best shows ever, man. Oh my God. Anyways, so, but there, there's some BTS for you. There's some behind the scenes of, the struggle it takes to, to get, you know, to where we're at now, but. Well, it's almost yeah, a key moment. You, you remember all the details of it. Oh yeah, man. I still got those flyers, the, the programs. <laughs> yeah. Where oh, I God. went to like, I went to little small businesses and I said, I was making a program and I go a, a half a page is 50 bucks. A full page is a hundred. It's going to go to every single kid at UNLV. <laughs> like, so oh, like, it was so funny how, how I would hustle like this money, man. But, it worked. I still got that damn thing. 
And you were what, 20, 25 back then? I think I was about 24, 25. 24, 25. So that's, then, uh, the, that's when you met Bobby then. Is that how you I actually met Bobby? I met Bobby when I was like 24, 25. Yeah. Maybe 20. I can't remember the actual year, but like about 25. Wow. That's nuts, that's amazing, huh? man. But that's, that's why when Netflix didn't give me the special and I shot it myself and paid for it, I was like, all right, I've been here before. You know what I mean? Mm, I've yeah. been doing this since day one. So like full circle. All right, this ain't nothing new. I got this. But I'm glad I shot that special because if it wasn't for that special, I would have never got coming in hot. And coming in hot was the one I shot in Hawaii. Mm. And, uh, and that's the one Steven Spielberg watched. And that's how I got the movie. Wow. Yeah. Steven saw that. He watched it, brought me in and uh, they asked for a movie idea. I pitched him Easter Sunday, which I already pitched to Dan Lin. If you don't know who Dan Lin is, he owns Rideback Films and, uh, you know, he made Lego movies. He's Aladdin with Will Smith. It won it too. Like that's all Dan Lin. So I originally pitched this movie to Dan and Dan said, yes, he'll do it. But then I got called in by Steven's people and I, I pitched the same movie <laughs> and, uh, and because it wasn't really moving on Dan's part. You know, not, not because of Dan, but we just couldn't find a writer at the time. But Dan is just an amazing, he's an amazing human yeah. and, uh, and an amazing producer. But what ended up happening is Steven went ahead and bought it. And Dan came on as an executive producer anyways. And, I had the dream team behind me. I had Spielberg wow. and, and Dan Lin amazing, make Easter Sunday, which comes out Easter Sunday, 2022. Dude, that is amazing. I mean, you, you've, it, everything you're telling me, like it, it's, it, it makes so much sense because you've just worked for it, right? 25 years and you've grinded, you've taken the risk even later in your career to be able to get on Netflix. I want to, I want to know, you know, I think stand, being a standard company is probably one of the hardest jobs, right? Ever, oh, 100%. You know, and it never gets easier necessarily never. because you're always going to get a new crowd. And for, for you to come into, uh, let's say your 25 year old self, who's probably naturally funny, you've got the foundations, the confidence. If you were to train someone to become a stand up comedian, is there a formula for getting someone there? Or is it really for, for being a stand up comedian? Is it really just about putting in the time? For yeah. the next 10, 15, 20 years. There's really no shortcut formula. No. I started at 18, by the way. I started at you 18. Started 18. Mm-hmm. Okay. I started at 18 right out of high school. And then I met Bobby like six or seven years in <clears throat> at a club called La Jolla Comedy Store. And that's how I met Bobby. And um, but yeah, I started when I was 18. Bomb so bad, man. It's so bad. There's footage out there. The I know they have it up. Huh? Tell me about your first experience going up. Oh my God, there's several, man. There was one where I joined a competition and I know the footage is out there. Uh, someone's got it, but it was bad. And I invited everyone. Everyone. It's <laughs> so funny because I ever? just saw my, huh? For your first one ever? You invited everyone. That was my first one ever. ever. I was yeah, driving. Confidence, man. I was driving my, right? Oh man, I used to call comedy clubs cold call. I used to call them and go, hey, do you guys need an opener? Because I thought it'd be easy. I'm funny all the time. Just walk on stage. That's all you got to do is be funny. I didn't know that there's structure. I didn't know that there's Mm -hmm. writing involved. I didn't understand that. And uh, so I used to make cold calls and call every single comedy club in the country. I would just call them and be like, hey, do you need an opener? I can be out there anytime, man. If you need someone to open for the headliner, I can just go up and do like 10 minutes. (laughs) Joseph, yeah. Joseph Herbert. Yeah. H-E-R. No, not Herbert. (laughs) 
And then, uh, and then, uh, and then I was driving to work one day and on the radio, uh, they go, Hey, we got this comedy competition at the Tropicana hotel. Uh, it's the biggest fool. <laughs> it's like all radio announcing. And I was like, what? He goes, the winner wins $10,000 and a chance to open up for a major headliner. You know what I mean? Mm. And whatever it was. And I was like, oh, I'm going to win this shit. Bro, that was the most embarrassing day of my life, man. I brought my dude. It was so yeah. funny because I was just in Vegas yesterday. And uh, my cousin, my cousin, my, my, my aunt, the one that named me Joko, Joko, Jokoi, uh, you know, her, her daughter is my, my, uh, my cousin. She's like my best friend. She's my, yeah. the one I'm so close to. So Mona. So we were out to eat and she was like, we were just talking about the book. Right. And she's like, Oh my God, dude, do you remember, you remember that Tropicana show? And I was like, yeah. She was like, Oh, she goes, I remember when we had to walk out. I did not want to walk. And I was like, oh, that's so messed up because it was packed. There was like 400 people. And like, literally I was walking with everyone like my family and like you know when someone does so horribly you just you can't say anything you're just like oh you're just next Even to them family members yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly how the whole family we were all just walking like it was just this walk of death and it was just me and of course i had the brightest shirt on because i wanted to be seen on stage i remember on i remember backstage in my head that that the manager was going to be on the phone going oh my god i found the next guy He's right here. What do you want me to do? You want me to hold him? You want me to get his name? Like in my head, that's what I thought was going to happen. Dude. Yeah, it was yeah. Awful. I remember looking to the side. And I was like, "Get the fuck off the stage!" I wouldn't get off the stage. I didn't know how. I was bombing so hard. I was just like, "I need a laugh. I need a laugh." And I just kept digging a hole deeper and deeper. It was so bad. And uh, yeah, that was the worst experience of my life. I don't wish that on anyone. Then the second time was. Uh, I painted in my mustache because I was only uh, 19. So I had like this baby hair and I took my mom's like, you know, that thing that it's a stick with the bristles. They do their yeah, eyelashes. Yeah, for, the, for the eyelashes. Eyelashes yeah, yeah. one. And I, and I did, did that for your precious. I put that shit on my fucking mustache, bro. Is that looking older it, it would, so would help awful. your comedy? Oh yeah. Dude. No, because it yeah. was, in, it was in a bar. I was only oh, 19. Right. So it was at this bar and it was on Tropicana and Eastern. I got, I went there just recently. I yeah. took my, Oh, did I take my son there yet? I got to take my son there. Uh, it's still the same. There's still a stage. The bar's still there. Everything's intact. It's identical. And um, and I, I went up. I went up uh, after a Lionel Richie impersonator. Like it was just this Star Search style mm. comedy. It wasn't. It was comedy music, and whoever was the best of the night got to win. So you could be singing, poetry, whatever, comedy. I was the comedy guy. And I bombed so bad, man. It was so bad, dude. I remember I had that fake mustache and I was so nervous that I got in. Like when the waitress goes, do you want something to drink? And I, and I just said, oh, I'll just have a Coke because I didn't want to order a drink because I don't want her to check my ID again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I, they never checked my ID. And then um, and then I, I went up and bombed and the Lionel Richie guy, the Lionel Richie impersonator. God, I wish this guy would like see me and go, oh, that's that guy. But he, uh, he goes, uh, hey, man. Oh, because I remember sitting next to him. I go, dude, that sucked, man. God, that sucked. And then he goes, hey, man, I'll say this. You got great stage presence. That's what he said mm. to me. He goes, so don't be, don't be uh, down on yourself, man. Like, I was watching you. There's, there's something about you on stage that I liked watching, but 
You know, you just got to tighten up those jokes, man. Come up with some better ideas. I drove home going, all right. Thank God he said that. Because if he would have said anything else, I probably would have quit. Dude, I was just going to say two in a row, you've bombed. I don't know many yeah. people that would continue after that. So you think oh. that moment was yeah. really like, was just enough, just enough, enough to get you going to do it yeah. the third time. Yeah. And then there was a couple more times where I bombed. <laughs> there was one on Ventura Boulevard where I, I drove hours to get to. And it was, that was, that was humiliating. Then there was another time where I just quit. Uh, at the comedy store, uh, I was supposed to go up, but Ari Spears was in front of me. He's another comic and he was yeah. crushing. This is like, this is back when he was like 22 years old, just this young black comic, just full of energy. And he was just killing. It. And I remember looking at the host going, I don't want to go up. And I drove home. I drove there five hours and I drove back and didn't oh, go up. Shit. And the guy that hosted, he goes, if you go home today, he goes, you'll probably never, ever go up on stage. He goes, I'm telling you, just go up and bomb. That's what he said to me. Just go up and bomb. He goes, the more you bomb, it just gets easier. I go, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I drove home. Dude, I remember driving home going, why did I drive home? I told Aries that, st- that story, man. So it was kind of a cool thing. It was kind of a cool loop because we ended up co-headlining a show together. And, uh, and it was just cool to finally be like, yeah, man. I remember that day when uh, I, I drove home because I couldn't, I didn't want to follow you. And, and here we are co-headlining this event together. So it was kind of a cool yeah, full circle. Event. Yeah. But the coffee house is where it finally took off. It was called Buzzy's Cafe. And I got my first laugh. It was in the corner of this coffee house. And, uh, and I had my camera rolling and someone laughed. And I remember thinking that it was the biggest laugh. In the, like I, I remember in the moment, it just sounded like enormous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I was like, it was your first one. It was my first one, and I remember he clapping. <laughs> but it, but when I heard it, it sounded like ten thousand people clapping. It was like people in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and my heart started pounding. I was like, "Yo, that's my first applause break." And I remember going home and plugging my my camera into the into my VCR and, and watching it. And literally, oh, it just man. sounded like this. Ah! <laughs> It was so bad. And I remember looking at it going, oh, okay, that sucked. But I mean, I, and then I was like, oh, I made him clap. But but I remember in the moment, it sounded huge, bro. In my head, I was like, I got to stay. You know, just froze, and, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything froze. Yeah, exactly. Time froze. And it was just in a moment. But but that, 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 was, that was the start of my addiction. Like, I, I had to get more of those and figure mm. out how to be – there all the time how to always get that type of consistent laughter that was your fourth time it took you four yeah, runs like to get your first laugh fifth try then i started fifth try to get your first laugh, laugh. wow yeah. damn dude yeah. that is persistency yeah and by the way when i say bomb i'm talking the worst like me just describing it to you you don't even understand how bad yeah. it was <laughs> It was bad. It was bad. It, 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 most people would have just been like, what am I doing? Even I said that. What am I doing? I can't do yeah. this. This is crazy. I remember watching comedians going, I can't do that. What is he doing? And I would just literally watch every day, figure it out. How did he get to that joke in five seconds? How did he get an applause break in five seconds? Why? Mm. How many words did he cut out? Okay, this joke is too long. I remember like 
laughing, but reading a whole paragraph to get to one laugh. I'm like, all right, well, let me just get to that laugh. Let me cut all this stuff out. Just try and figure out this sentence. It was like this whole thing, dude. I got all these notebooks that I used to date and I got them stacked up, man. It's just like 1990, 1991. <laughs> you just see all wow. these jokes and me scratching stuff out and arrows and circles. And it's crazy, man. That's insane, man. I mean, looking back, if you were able to talk to that Joe Coy, the person that's starting out before the coffee house, right? Yeah. What would you tell him? Oh, I would tell him to do it and love it. Be passionate about it. You know, it's a long, 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 long road. I say this all the time. I know it's corny, but it is a long road and it's bumpy and there's potholes and there's gravel and sometimes there's no pavement. You know what I mean? There's no concrete underneath you. It's not a flat surface. You're going to pop a couple tires. You know what I mean? Probably going to lose the brakes sometimes. But you know what? Just stay in that car and just keep driving, man. Because the journey is, it's, it's crazy. But where, wherever you're getting to is paradise. I'm telling you, you know, it's, I, I love where I'm at. Took me 30, 32 years to drive here, bro. Mm. You know, and I love it. And I'm still driving. You know what I mean? I'm still driving. So yeah, that's, that's what I always say, man. It's a long, windy, bumpy road, but just stay on it, man. Stay on your path. Stay on that journey and be passionate, man. You know? Mm. Your heart, your heart first. Don't, don't, uh, don't change anything for money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Change it because your heart told you to change it. You know what I mean? Stay with it because your heart told you to stay with it. That's where you want to be. And what gets you I going think I now? Tweeted that. I tweeted that t- like a week ago. I, I was just like, I was like, uh, what did I say? I said something like, if your heart, if you're doing something and there's no heart in it, then you're not living, right? Mm. You're not living. If your heart is not into something that you're doing, then you're not living. You're just doing something. Yeah. That's not living. It's got to have life, man. Yeah. What are you passionate about? (laughs) And what gets you going now? You've reached the, you know, one of the pinnacles you've, 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 as you mentioned, like you're, you're continuing to rise. You've got this momentum going. I mean, how do you keep going without resting on your laurels? How do you get excited? How do you? I just just want to keep opening doors. I want to keep creating opportunity. Just that, that in his elements, you know, that little girl, Fatia, you know, the little girl that was rapping, she's just a little girl, dude, you know, Mm. and here she is working with Illmind and and her dad, her dad's a huge producer in the Philippines and and Illmind, you know, he's got, he's got Grammys with Drake and, uh, you know, Jay-Z. And I was able to merge those two together and that's all I wanted. And then she ended up signing a deal with Def Jam. It's just like, that's, to me is like what it's all about. Like, Hey man, I knew how hard it was for me to get my foot in the Netflix store. And now that I have it just a little bit open, I'm going to bring them all in. You know what I mean, mm. let's go, let's get as many as I can in here. And it doesn't have to just be Filipino. I want to bring everybody in. Who, yeah. who else can I talk about? Who else can I bring into my crew? You know what I mean? Let's go. You know, I want to create more specials. You know, I want to get more names out there. There's so many funny comics out there that deserve to be looked at, you know, and, you know, Mateo, uh, Mateo Lane and, and uh, Asif Ali. And, you know, there's so many people, you know, Beth Stelling. It's just all these good up and coming comics that, you know, should be big right now. You know what I mean? And, and uh, yeah, man. I can't it's wait. To, I want to be able to do stuff like that. That's what I want to do. I want to, you know, that was my whole 
my whole goal, you know, with this TV show. I want, I want this TV show to look and feel, you know, like the surrounding that I live in, which mm-hmm. is right here in Studio City. How do I present that on TV? Right? How do we present yeah. that? How do I yeah. present doing a podcast and not have to be typecasted for it? Having a Korean guy host and a half white, half Filipino guy as the guest <laughs> without anyone going, that doesn't make sense. Right. That can't be right. a podcast. What do you mean a Korean guy? Hosting what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Is that weird? Isn't that weird that we still live in a time where they go, hey, we need a character to play a podcast guy. Okay, cool. White guy? How about just guy? Or how about just yeah. person? person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, that's, you know, I just signed that deal with uh, Melvin Marr and over at ABC for uh, for uh, my show, my TV show. And, and that's one thing I want to do is I want to make sure that, you know, that was one thing I stressed you know, in the meeting, it was like, I want it to look like my surrounding, which is everyone's surrounding. If we're going to go into a hospital, we're going to see some Filipinos. We're going to see some Indians. We're going to see some Chinese people. We're going to see some Latino people. Yeah. We're going to see some black people because that's what a hospital looks like. Just making it real, right? Like you're, yeah, you're just trying to resemble real life. Yeah. Like, and without having, to, without having to put them in a group or generalize. Yeah. It's just hospital. And this is called staff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if that's what I got to do, then that's what I got to do, right? So, you know, it was kind of cool with this movie, man. It was, the whole cast was Filipino. You know what I mean? And it was just cool to hear someone like Tia Carrere and, and, and Lou Diamond Phillips say stuff like, you know, we've been in this business almost 50 years and we've never played a Filipino, not once. Wow. We've never just played ourselves. We always had to play other and take on the character of whatever was described mm. and fall in a category that was Asian. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. nothing specific other than Asian, thick accent, but could sing her ass off. And I try and explain that to like these young guys. And I'm like, do you even understand what that is? Like what type of, you know, what type of generation that that woman lived in and what type of systemic racism that was? Yeah. I just found out what systemic racism was. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like I've known it my whole life. It just started coming out. And I was just like, well, wait a minute. I was part of that. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't even know about it. It was just so normal to me that I just thought, oh, yeah. Okay. No wonder I was playing the Thursday nights with PK uh, at the Laugh Factory called Asian Invasion. Because they wouldn't give us, they wouldn't give us the weekend shows. Oh, because that was considered to be the white night. So let's give you an off night, like a Thursday or a Wednesday when no one buys tickets to do anything in Hollywood. And you can have that show. And go ahead and give it a theme. Why don't you call it Asian Invasion? And then over at, uh, and then over at uh, the comedy store, you'll call it Fat Tuesdays. And all the black comics will come out. and We'll spell it P-H-A-T. And we'll do chocolate Sundays at the Laugh Factory. You know, it'll be a black night. You know, but at that time, you know, you just, it's normalized. Like, I can't explain yeah. that to people. You're just like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, I can't do the weekends because that's a specific demo. But, all right, we'll take this shitty off night and we'll make it ours. And you know what happened? Those ended up being the biggest shows of those comedy mm. clubs. 
You can't even get a ticket to Chocolate Sundays. Fat Tuesdays, are you kidding me? Still record-breaking. Still, still, I mean, check the receipts on that, man. Fat Tuesdays put more stars in Hollywood than any other night at the Comedy Store. That's a fact check. Mm. You know what I mean? mean, It makes sense because people are starving to feel related and to to be able to have someone on the other side to to tell their story like yeah. there wasn't anything out there like it's just a matter of demand and supply really yeah but but how crazy that, that was looked at as if that that you're not even being recognized yeah. we're not going to get it so you can't play the weekend but yet we'll give you tuesday night at the comedy store and you can have that night who the fuck wants that night <laughs> who's going to hollywood on a tuesday but yet they put out monsters Chris Tucker, Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart, Cedric the Entertainer, Bernie Mac. I mean, Guy Tory, Joe Tory, Bill Bellamy. I mean, the list goes on. Eddie Griffin. Like, I mean, do I get D.O. Hughley? Do I stop? You know, biggest stars. The biggest stars. Some of the biggest stars. Yeah. Yeah. You go down the. You you drive down. You drive down there and you look at the wall, and you don't see those names written on the wall. You see other names on there. You're just like, oh, okay. Cedric the Entertainer has a, a star on the Walk of Fame, but his name's not written on this wall. And I'm pretty sure he put tons of asses in this seats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why isn't his name written on this wall? I don't know. It's just, it's crazy, man. I know we're, we're, we keep going back to that. I don't want to keep Well, this is your that. purpose. I think like, that we're moving forward and it's a beautiful thing. My name's finally on that wall. They just painted my name on that wall. Like, as you should. You know, but it took, it took someone like Guy Tori to really you know, put awareness on that. Like, Hey man, like we were the biggest show in this comedy club ever, ever, ever. And, uh, and you can't sit there and deny it, but why isn't Cedric the entertainer's name on this wall? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And just to show you how beautiful that moment was, here's Cedric the entertainer. He has his, he has a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. But his biggest moment was his name on that wall. Because as a comic, mm. that's the Mecca. You know what I mean? And that's where Pryor was. That's where Williams was. That's where all the, you know, Eddie was. Like, and, and to, to a comedian, that's everything to us. Yeah. To, to be Pretty recognized. But I'm not going to lie, man. Why did it take, why did it take a campaign? <laughs> you know what I mean? That name should have been written on there 15 years ago. Listen, there's still a long road ahead, right? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you're right. You're right, and and, and you're right. And and the steps that are we're taking right now are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just want people to like, you know, hear that story. You got to hear it. You know what I mean? Like, because yep. sometimes, you know, just like my story, it's like, okay, you got to see all those specials, but what did it take to get those specials? Like, so we're mm-hmm. so quick to like judge and 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 figure out the story of somebody without really researching, you know what I mean? So it's good to tell those stories. Like, yeah, you know, I want people to drive by the comedy store and they see my name written up there and they see Cedric's name written up there, but what's the story? You know what I mean? Like really appreciate, appreciate the work that Cedric did and, and, and the rest of those names on that wall, what they did for, for the new generation to be able to walk in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that story needs to be heard. That's all. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what the story, that's what the podcast is about. You know, yeah. like it's, it's, if we weren't telling these stories, if we weren't putting a highlight and spotlight into these 
BTS, BTS stories and what it really took to get to where you are, who's yeah. going to be able to share it? And I just can't imagine all the people that you might be influencing, the next Joe Coy, the next Bobby Lee's, et cetera, the entertainers. Like, you, I, I don't think we have an understanding of what the direct impact is because we're talking on Zoom, right? We, we don't see yeah. even the people there. But just like you have heard people or you were influenced by prior, but he probably doesn't know it. It's just so powerful, man. So I really appreciate you being able to be so vulnerable and being so genuine. And it seems like this is your purpose now. The the shift that I've seen just based on your language is it's not about you anymore. It's about others. It's about putting others into the platform that you've built, that you've worked so hard the last 25, 30 years, you know, bombing and the struggles and the tears and the blood and the sweat. This is what it comes down to, right? And it's just the beginning for you, it seems. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for what you're doing. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate <laughs> you. I would uh, want to make sure that we get that out there. Mixed plates. Yes. This is really a brief overview of the conversation that we've had. The mixed plate goes through all of it. I love that each chapter also is is, is a culinary dish uh, yeah. from, from the Philippines. Like It's so well crafted and done. Uh, obviously, in his elements. Anything else you want to share? Joy. Oh yeah. I got my fourth special coming out. Uh, we tape it in March. I'm shooting it at the great Western forum in Los Angeles. And, um, what else? Uh, Oh, and it is, uh, 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 by the way, uh, my movie with, you know, Amblin Spielberg, Dan Lin over at Rideback, uh, it's called Easter Sunday that comes out Easter Sunday, 2022. So get ready for that. I love it. Oh, and of course this tour is just amazing right now. So, Get on it. You're killing it. You're killing Thank it. You, well, I can't wait for all this stuff to be done. Everyone check out Joe. Obviously, most people will have already heard about you, but appreciate you once again and uh, couldn't be more thankful. Uh, thank you, man. All right. Well, I'll see you at the, you know, I want you to come backstage at the next show. I definitely will. I definitely will. All right. I man. love it. Take all care. right. Bye. Take care. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.